know what they need to name every type of media after? Oranges. Or fruits. That'd be nice. Apples. Either way. Bananas. Welcome to our Tomatoes. Show, Tomatoes. That's a vegetable. It's a fruit. <laughs> Pineapple. Berry. Cherries. Lemons. Yeah. All the fruits. Yep. Which coincidentally. Is a We're word. not talking about fruits at all today. We're not. <laughs> nope. Zero fruits. Just uh, franchises that are named after them. Just one. A singular. Singular. That's what we're here to talk about here today on this episode, which is number 85 of the season. Let me check up OVA. It's a podcast where we have conversations about anime, manga, video games, those sorts of things. Hello, I'm Jared, joined as always by Doc Al and Ladium. Hello. And we're here to talk to you about a an anime from 2016. Mm-hmm. And a manga that was a little bit earlier, started in 2012. It's uh, called Orange. And uh, after last week's hilarity, we're going to Going to make it sad again. <laughs> Rain it back in. Time to get serious and sad. Because <laughs> last week was crazy. It was. It was awesome. Uh, so yeah, this was a... I guess... I don't I, I guess I don't know, but like... To me, it was relatively big when it came out. I mean, I was very much looking forward to it as someone who had read the manga previously. And then getting hyped for the anime. Uh, you obviously coming to this a little bit later... After yeah. the fact. As I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, we should make mention, before we start this show, that uh, there's going to be a lot of talk about suicide in this, so if that is something that bothers you or gets you upset, makes you feel unpleasant, uh, that is a fair warning. See you next week. Yeah. As that will be pretty much rampant throughout this entire episode, as it is yep. a big, big theme throughout the series. Correct. So we do not judge you at all if you don't listen to this episode. That is totally fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, we'll see you next week. But yeah. uh, for those of you who are still with us, you get to hear about suicide a lot. Whoops. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to start this off inst- like interestingly because this is a show that I've I've talked about in the past on mm-hmm. the other season I check a podcast. Uh, and just to hear what I had to say, you know, two years ago. So let's, uh, let's see if this works. I'm playing this from my phone because I'm too lazy to just splice in the audio <laughs> into this. All right. Was probably one of my most anticipated shows of this season, oddly that's, enough. That's big Orange. hype. As someone who read the manga previously, I was real excited to get sad by the anime adaptation of Orange. Which that still totally happens, as the show is a faithful adaptation story-wise and makes you very sad at times. Elsewhere, the show is rife with weird and wonky animation. It's sad that it hinders the show in such a way where you're watching, oh man, this is real sad, but oof, those characters look real bad. It really is a bummer that the animation issues drag down the story because it is some good shoujo, if that is the sort of thing you were looking for. I don't know if the issues stem from time or just the way certain shots lined up and didn't help the animators, 
but it was constant throughout the entire season. There were a few episodes midway through that were especially rough to where I thought they had gotten the Ace Attorney budget. There is a spinoff manga and movie coming out in the future, but I sure hope they take their time with the movie so it doesn't end up looking exactly like the show. Orange deserved better than to have to deal with one of the most constant problems in 2016 anime, maybe of the past couple years, in animation problems. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, like, uh, one of the key complaints coming out of the anime in 2016, as you know, as you heard from two years ago me, the that ripe, wide-eyed 26-year-old Jared, uh, this show was rife with some animation issues. Yep. And you specifically see it very much like midway through the show or just there are shots of the of the series that are just incredibly rough in a way that you're just like, man, I, they must have not had a lot of time to put some of these scenes up or just like we're running out of time or just budget or whatever it was. It's just it's bad. Like I haven't seen um if the home video release of this like fixes any of those problems or not. I can't like I haven't heard one way or the other. Or I haven't seen one way or the other, but it definitely was a big enough issue that when this show was uh, airing via simulcast in 2016, that it was pretty much the dominant uh, focal point of the conversation when com- when talking about this show. Um, I watched the dub version, so I don't know um, if that had been cleaned up or not. No, that would be the same. Okay. Um. But yeah, there were definitely some animation errors and weird wonkiness throughout. I will fully admit to that. Mm-hmm. Um, although I will say that um, I really like the like style of the, the characters in this. Yeah. Like how they're actually drawn is really, really pretty. It's just that every once in a while they like fall off and become basically stick figures. <laughs> uh, so yeah, like it is... I still think it did deserve a little bit better than this. Like, this is a... This story in general, like, from the manga is very good. Like, the manga is very well detailed throughout, and... It's something that I think could have... Or probably should have deserved a little bit better than what it got, but... But like Mm -hmm. I said, I don't know if the Blu-ray releases, like, fixed a lot of the problems or not. I would hope so. I would assume so. And I don't remember, like, because you watched the movie, and I don't remember if the movie also had these issues or as well or not. I didn't really see them. Okay, so at least they, they at least like probably had a little bit more time to to put some more detail, I guess, or be able to kind of like smooth over some of those animation problems that they were having throughout the the anime series mm-hmm. in the film. So that's that is a good thing, at least. But uh, and I mean, some scenes are literally just like copy paste, though. Right. So, there is that. Yeah. Um, so, I guess, like, the... You, you obviously, you just watched this. I did. Uh, what was it that made you want to see this show? Um, so, I was reading the, the description. Uh, I have Verve. Um, Verve. <laughs> and so, um, it kept popping up in my recommended um, list, which I wonder what the verb description is just out of curiosity. Um, like why was I so entranced by it? Let's find out. All right. So the second year Naho receives a letter from her future self that warns of a tragedy to befall a shy boy. She will come to know. Uh, can Naho and a group of friends change the future or must they live with the regret that can never be erased? 
Um, for one, sounds like some quality <laughs> shoujo right there. <laughs> um, two, shy boys, yes, please. Um, and time travel shenanigans, like I'm all about that. So when I saw this, and I thought the art style was really interesting. Um, when I saw the, the like screenshot of it, and I'm like, mm. all right, I'm into it. Um, and then we had a conversation the other day um, of like, what anime should I watch? Because I have a very hard time sitting down and watching anime. Yeah. Um, Until you just like marathon through them. Yeah, I watched this in less than a day. <laughs> it was ridiculous. But yeah, it it was uh, it was that that brought me in, and um, I figured out like the twist pretty early. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. So I mean, it's a story that hooks you pretty well. Like, um, when I was reading the manga before the anime came out, like I, every time there was a new chapter, I was like fumbling my through my phone just to get to to read it because like mm-hmm. I was like, all right, yeah, let's get to this. Because it was so, so enticing and very good. And the anime does capture that pretty well, I think, as as well as it can through the 13 episodes it has. Which also, like, one of the key things that helps this series is that the manga is relatively short. Mm -hmm. So that allows there to, like, not be a lot of, like, parts that are cut out or glossed over or just you know entire sections that are just not in the anime because they're not going to have enough time or they're not going to have a next season or something like that it's just like you know you're getting pretty much the entirety of what was in the manga adapted into this anime series because you know there's not a lot of the manga to begin with so they're able to do all that and I like those kind of series where it's just like wrapped up. You get what you what you need, and then it's done. Mm-hmm. Like those are ideal for me because I can get in and I can get out, and then I don't have to like really be stuck on it forever and ever and ever. Yeah, and like you're not getting from the ending where like, oh, I wonder what's gonna happen next. But too bad they're never gonna get a second season. Looking at you, Yona. Yeah. <laughs> Specifically, that's that's definitely one of them. <laughs> uh so yeah we could i guess we'll probably just go episode by episode pretty much yeah i mean there's not many episodes and yeah. um i think that's a good way to to go through the story uh you've obviously you've watched this a little bit more recently than i did so yes <laughs> you'll be able to talk more It'll- about some of these episodes but uh wikipedia has some good like at least detailed episode description so we'll just probably just go off that okay that's fine. Let's talk about episode number one. It's called letter O one. Because all these I wonder what will happen. Are letters? Yeah, it, it's all her letters that she's reading mm. and going by. So letter one is the first one. It is the first episode, debuted on July fourth. Yay! A short intro where twenty six year old Naho Takabia and her friends converge a lot, and in turn on a lot, and in turn and intend to read letters kept inside a buried time capsule that they wrote when they were sixteen years old. Naha begins her story after the, about the moments that she regrets in her life and decides to tell her 16-year-old counterpart how to deal with her misfortunes. Ten years earlier, Naho wakes up late and receives a letter, which comes from her adult self. She reads the first page of the letter at school, which accurately tells that she was late that day. It also says that a transfer student will sit next to her, and it happens. Kakeru Narase introduces herself, himself and sits next to Naho. As the class dismisses early, Naho and her friends decide to take a stroll, get acquainted, and make friends with Kakeru. 
At night, Naho reads the letters again and notices the similarity between her writing and contents of her diary and the letter. The following day, Naho notices Kakiru's absence. In PE class, she reads the letter saying that she regrets not joining this in the softball game. A returning Kakiru chats with Naho regarding joining a sports club and her injured foot due to the size of her shoe. At the softball game, Naho's teammates invite her to play, and she is hesitant at first. But because of the letter and a little inspiration from Kakiru, she stands up and plays as the batter in the softball game. Naho hits a home run, winning the game. The class also emerges as champions because Suo wins the boys' football game, or soccer game. Naho yep. now completely believes the contents of the letter are real and will happen, and as she reads the next page, it reveals that Kakiru will die. The letter asks yep. Naho for a favor that she must watch closely over Kakiru. So, um, and she also mentions in the letter that, like, that's the day that she, uh, the softball game is the day that she fell in love with Kakaru. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's pretty important. Yes. Because she's like, wait, what? <laughs> um, I think that this episode does a really good job of introducing everybody because they have that entire scene. Uh, well, you know, they have the future people, but they have the scene where they're all walking home from school together. And they have to and introduce you, themselves. Yeah, you get a really good idea of their dynamics at that point. Mm -hmm. um, because you see that um, the glasses, what's his name? Let's, let's, um, let's take Hagita. Hagita. Yeah. And um, Azusa, uh, they're, they've got like this playful, antagonistic dynamic, which is based on a crush. Mm hmm. Um, which you don't really okay I was gonna say you don't really know that it's a crush you know it's a crush you know <laughs> that there is a crush there but they don't acknowledge that it's a crush they just kind of tease each other constantly it's mm -hmm. one of those relationships um, and then everybody teases uh, Sua because he's so tall all the time they tease him which I mean makes sense and we also see some interaction with Kakaru and uh, Naho because she's not willing to speak up about like what kind of bread that she's interested in and Kakaru senses that and notices it and he's like I'll trade you this kind of bread and so you can see that he's intuitive about like what she's feeling mm -hmm. and I think that that becomes important especially considering this is the first day he met her and he can already tell like hey you know you're not you're not being honest here. Right. You you want this bread, don't you? I'll give it to you. <laughs> like he even mentions like later on in the um during like the sports thing where like she she talks about like, you know, the shoe thing and he's, and he's like, Hey, you should you need to go tell someone about this. Like I noticed that like you're very apprehensive about things, because like, I've been watching you and, and she mm -hmm. also like does the same thing where like she's like, Hey, you should go join the soccer club. I've been watching you too. Yeah. Um because she gets uh, two small shoes and she's like, no, it's too late to tell anybody. And he's like, no, no, you need to go tell somebody. This is not good for your feet. Mm -hmm. um, and he like, she gets a blister at one point and he doctors up her blister. And I was like, oh, that's really sweet. <laughs> um, but yeah, then he, you know, after the first day he goes missing for two weeks and um he comes back and everybody's like, so what were you doing? Playing video games? He's like, yeah, something like that. And um, one thing that I noticed in this episode that I noticed throughout the entirety of the series is that Kakaru has this like adorable smile that you can tell he's faking. Mm -hmm. um, and he does it every time that he is lying to them about something. I've noticed that now. Um, 
It's the cutest smile in the world, but he's clearly faking it. But also just telling me straight up, like, he's going to die. I was like, um, all right, I need to know what's going on here. Like like you said, like, this episode does a lot of good, like, introductory things where it does, you know, the characters, it introduces the big twist, and also introduces, like, the the time travel mechanic. Mm -hmm. Or I guess, like, the timeline mechanic. I don't know. It's not... Time travel's weird. <laughs> yeah, there's more of an explanation for it in the movie, and we'll get into that yeah. in a bit. But um, I-, I can tell you how they do it. But it introduces a lot of like the key um, pillars of the show. Yeah. As you would want from a you know a introductory series. episode. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, let's talk about the second episode then. All right. Letter two. Naho continues reading the letter, learning that Kakiru will die soon. As she progresses through the letter, she learns that Kakiru doesn't bring any lunch to school and that her future self regrets never making lunch for him. The letter tells her to make lunch for Kakiru when she does so. However, the next day, Naho hesitates giving Kakiru the lunch she prepared. After school, Kakiru notices Naho's bag, which, she, which contains the bento meant for him. However, Naho rudely dismisses Kakiru, but later apologizes. Kakiru decides to accompany and take a stroll in the park with Naho, during which he explains his two-week-long absence to her. He reveals that his mother had committed suicide on the first day of class, and Naho realizes that... That was the day she and her friends asked him to hang out with them instead of going home. To comfort Kakiru, Naho finally gives him the bento she made, and Kakiru smiles. Afterwards, Naho decides that she will protect Kakiru and make sure that he is happy. In the present timeline, Naho and Sua, now married with a son, meet up with their other friends to go to Kakiru's burial place. Which is interesting mm-hmm. because, I guess, if we're going off what the anime does, like they show that final part in the first chapter. Like That's the end point of the first chapter. Yeah. Is you see, like, you see Suo with a kid, and obviously Naho's with him. And they're going to, to see Kakeru. But yeah, this is a. Once again, we're getting some more big twists from the future side, and obviously Kakeru revealing some big secrets of his own. Which I don't know if we've figured out yet that, like. What happens to him? No, no, no. Like, um. That the letters were made mention that, like, she should definitely not like make him go with them yeah she does read that um she she reads it in the first episode and it says um like don't invite him seriously and she's like ah whatever um i don't understand why that would happen like and you know i'm gonna invite him because he's a new kid and that that's a good idea Mm -hmm. um and so at this point she's like oh god i should have listened to the letter yeah um but it also explains like that's why that's why he hasn't had lunch and he uh you know the guys have been teasing him like oh does your mom not make you lunch and he's like no no she doesn't so i'm gonna go buy the bread and um it's really tragic yeah (laughs) it's really really tragic um but naho spends a lot of time trying to make him a bento and then promises from then on that she's going to continue to make it for him after he eats it and is like absolutely in love with it. And I mean, um, I'm sure it did him a lot of good to have somebody put that much time into something for him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> so it's hurting a lot. <laughs> and you can definitely tell like why like the future version of her would be like real upset that she never did this. Because obviously, yeah. of what happens, like it, it makes such a big impact on him. Um, also, finding out that her and Sua like get married and have a kid, I was not expecting that. And then here it is. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay. 
well, guess they went to the bone zone. And obviously, we'll they'll dive into that dynamic a little bit later as oh, the yeah. show goes on as well. Uh, letter zero three. Naho progresses through her letter or to her letter to her. I don't know. Through her letters, I guess. Yeah, telling that Kakiri will soon leave the soccer club. However, Sua announces that Kakiri will be staying in the soccer club for good. Naho realizes that every moment mentioned in the letter will soon change for the future. She reads again the letter. This time, it is about a girl named Ueda Rio who is interested in Kakiru. The letter tells that Ueda will confess her feelings to Kakiru, and later they will start dating. As the class ends early, Naho and friends play rock, paper, scissors to determine who will buy drinks, and it happened, Kakiru loses. As Kakiru buys their drinks, Ueda approaches him. Naho questions Kakiru if he likes Ueda, and Kakiru admits that he likes Ueda. Again, Ueda approaches Kakiru, and after a brief talk, Ueda leaves smiling. Naho looks again to the leather that she should check the case of her eraser borrowed by Kakiru and look for the enclosed note, asking Naho if he should date Ueda. Naho replies to Kakiru's note and leaves it to his locker, but it is too late when she learns that Kakiru and Ueda are now officially dating. Emotionally devastated, Naho left her friends and goes home, drinks the orange juice given by Kakiru and apologizes to her future self, seemingly regretting due to her lack of initiative. Shifting to the present timeline where they converge on a lot, reading their letters from their younger selves until they focus on Kakiru's letter. In his letter, Kakiru praises everyone except he, himself that because he, he never wrote anything about himself. They deduce mm-hmm. that Kakiru committed suicide and started crying. Naha resolved that she will do anything to protect her friends and the future. Which I had figured out that he had committed suicide like before it had been brought up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh no. Oh, no, 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 Was it just, like, signs within him that you kind of figured that out? Or just, like, the way the story was kind of going, you figured, like, oh, this is probably the way it's going to go, considering, you know, he's dead in the future and something has to have happened? Okay, so this is going to be a little bit dark, and I apologize for that. But um, most people that know me know that I have, like, real issues with depression like extreme issues with depression. Mm -hmm. And so whenever I'm watching media and I see a character that has it, um, I can usually pick up these kinds of signs right? because I've experienced them myself. And I think that that's one thing that's really difficult to do is to actually write somebody who does suffer from that unless you have it yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if the author does or not, but did a fantastic job. Um, so it's picking up on some of the cues of things that he did. And um, I, uh, I guess it was 2014, I had a mental breakdown to the point that they considered me a suicide risk. And so, like, I, I get those cues from him. I see what he's doing, and I see what he's saying, and I'm like, oh, okay, I, I get what is happening here. I mm-hmm. understand. And so, like, I picked it up before they actually revealed it because I was paying attention to what his character was doing after they said the first episode that he died. Um, because I was seeing that he was faking stuff. I was seeing that he was going through the motions and a lot of it. And then like, when you get to the point of here, I'm like, yeah, okay. I know what happened to you. I get it. Um, like I said, little dark, sorry about that, but it, it actually felt really, really real to me. And I think that's part of why I continue to watch it is um i wanted this boy to have hope <laughs> but also it is, it's it is. interesting the way you, you know you mentioned that it's hard to write like that stuff without experiencing it mm-hmm. and considering how much you're like yeah this is this is right on cue this is right on cue this is right on cue like that really adds just an element of like that type of realism that 
you know, this is a very accurate portrayal of depression and it really makes it an interesting like idea of like, okay, well, does the author also suffer from this as well? Or do they know someone who they're able to like talk to about this and formulate stuff from that or what? It's real interesting. Right. And I mean, that's something that you and I have dealt with personally is that you've written pieces for crunchy where you've had to talk about like mental health and you Mm -hmm. come to me and say like, do I accurately represent this? Right. And I appreciate that as somebody who does suffer from it that or deals with it, however you want to phrase it, because people don't like the word suffer. Um, But I appreciate that somebody is actually taking the time to make sure it's right. Yeah, exactly. Like I, you know, I, I don't, I guess I don't necessarily know. I've never gone to like a psychiatrist or been diagnosed with anything i probably have anxiety and stuff like that but you have anxiety <laughs> yeah okay most like I, i've never been diagnosed with any of that stuff but you know whenever i talk about that stuff i want to make sure like that i'm right i'm not just talking out of my ass when i'm talking about it like because there are you know people have experienced differences in in those in those illnesses obviously and to have someone who may not necessarily you know have that type of illness and is writing about it and just to like talk about it at a whim and not really understand it. Like that's, that's real bad. And obviously as a writer, you want to be able to, to give like representation to, to people and have their voices be heard, or at least have them like have their problems or whatever, whatever you're talking about, like let it be understandable to people who also are not necessarily may not understand it as well or don't suffer from it or whatever. So like, yeah, it's definitely like one of the things I, I, I super, super like obviously want to make sure I get and like it definitely like it's definitely something like like you've talked about like where I've wrote about you know those sorts of things for Crunchyroll and I've come to you and like hey you know is this the right terminology to use is this like like if if a character is suffering from this what exactly is that and I think that's very important for for writers and just you know in general for people to do if like you're if you're experiencing it or you know someone experiencing like you know talk to someone and be like hey what exactly is happening when, you know, this person's doing this, this, and this? Yeah. And one thing that I think is worth mentioning here is that um, the first time that I ever actually dealt with my depression, like when I went through a serious bout of it, I was like 13 or 14 years old. So I was around the same age as these kids. Right. Um, so I, I understood how he was feeling in a lot of it. And uh, again, it's just subtle cues. And depression doesn't look the same in every person. It, right. it it just doesn't. But when you know those mindsets and those motions, you can pick up on cues at least that, you know, that's what's happening. So um, I think that my personal experience is what made me figure it out before they actually mentioned it. Because mm-hmm. um, you remember the text messages when I found out. I was like, oh, God, no he committed suicide, didn't he? And then later on I was like, okay, yeah, they confirmed that he committed suicide, <laughs> but like I figured it out way before. Very soon. They yeah. It. Um, but again, uh, one of the big things is that <laughs> smile. Cause it's so fake. Mm-hmm. It's so fake and it's so obviously fake, but nobody picks up that it's fake. It's, it's definitely like someone who has come to an understanding of how to go through the motions. Mm-hmm. Well, and, um, you know, his, his mom committed suicide, mm-hmm. um, which a lot of it is genetic. 
um, you know, my grandma committed suicide, but she had bipolar. She didn't have depression. Mm-hmm. So that's a completely different thing. But, you know, it, it can run in families that that's that's a situation. And especially right. when somebody that you're extremely close to and given that Kakaru only had his mom, um, you know, that it's. I don't want to say like it's an example for him in a sense, but like he feels in a way that he's responsible for it. Right. And he feels in a way that that's the only way he can see her again. And also, like, just that, that like, that age and, like, that time frame of a person's oh, life. Oh, it's rough. It's rough. And also, I guess I would feel like that's mostly a time where, like, people would be going through, like, that sort of stuff. But also, it would not be diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Where they wouldn't know. So, like, it could, like, that, specifically, like, having that not be diagnosed, like, that can lead to things going to a certain extreme. Yeah. Honestly, what should have happened here is once his mom did that they should have gotten him into some kind of therapy and seeing if they could get him on medication that kind of thing and that's what that two weeks should have been spent exactly but they didn't i mean obviously i don't know like what how mental health is like treated in japan like if that would have been like even an option or whatnot but yeah Yeah, i would i I would agree with you like that should have been like immediately someone like oh hey you know he doesn't really have a support system anymore like we need to help this kid because things could get real bad real quick here yeah um so it's it was upsetting um to watch but at the same time like i was more into the series at this point because i realized like okay i relate to this kid i understand what he's going through i want to see how this plays out Mm mm-hmm I don't have a time traveler thing telling me like, "Hey, don't be a depressed sack of <laughs> you person." I don't know if future you would be exactly saying it, like, "Look, man, you're gonna be dealing with some." <laughs> sorry. Yeah, it's fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's talk about uh, episode number four. Okay. All right. In the present timeline, Naho and her friends visit Kakidor's relative. Oh, actually, let's go back to episode three for a second. Let's also hit the rewind button. All right. Okay, I was also screaming like this entire freaking end of the episode for episode three because of the whole like eraser thing and him asking if he should date her. And as a girl, you better go. You better go. <laughs> oh, right, yeah, you, you better were. go tell him. You better go do it. Um, and she puts the the no in his shoe. I'm like. And he uh, he does the the hand symbol at one point for like yes, um, which is important for later. But um, he didn't actually like Ueda, right? And he had even asked Naho to like intervene, and she didn't do it. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> Naho! Um, so you got to deal with my like screaming text messages of like rage at this point. And I like, I get shyness. I really do. And it's hard to tell somebody that you like them, but oh man, I was so mad. Yeah. I was so mad. Now we can go to episode four. All right. <laughs> In the present timeline, Naho and her friends visit Kakitor's relative. It reveals that before Kakitor committed suicide, the latter usually talked, talked about Naho to his relative. Shifting back to the earlier timeline, Kakiru and Ueda started dating, and people notice how Ueda treats Kakiru, especially how Ueda clings to Kakiru while walking down the school premises. Naho, as she read a few parts of the letter, avoids Kakiru while the latter is seemingly irritated or initiates a conversation with her. 
Meanwhile, Takako and Azusa dislike Ueda and try to ask Naho if she's hiding anything. As Naho evades Kakiru and her friend's questions, Naho becomes emotional and Suwa approaches Naho. Suwa tells Naho to talk to Kakiru. Learning that Ueda and Kakiru will have a quarrel, Naho realizes yet again that the future is constantly changing. At the hallway, Ueda and Kakiru had a brief argument, revealing Ueda's bad attitude and jealousy due to Kakiru's treatment with other girls, especially to Naho. Finally, Naho and Kakiru decide to talk to each other. Kakiru tells Naho that he will break up with Ueda, seemingly follow, following Naho's opinion on dating Ueda. Kakiru also tells Naho that, in fact, he is in love with a special someone, and it will be a secret. Mm, I wonder who it is. It's, 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 I don't know. Mm. Who, who could it be? Mm. Which, um, you know, it, it talks a lot about the fight that they have um, about Ueda, and the way that it's actually portrayed is really interesting because what happens is that Ueda is trying to get to Kakaru and knocks over Naho. Mm -hmm. And Kakaru is like, whoa, whoa, no, <laughs> not okay. And he like goes and tries to help Naho up and Ueda gets mad at him. And so then Naho feels like directly responsible for it and, mm -hmm. you know, shenanigans ensue. But like at that point, even like I, I, Ueda was mad at him because of his, like, feelings for Naho, which are very obvious. But at the same time, like, in this situation, he picks Naho over Ueda because, like, Ueda was <laughs> She knocked her over and, like, didn't care. She's like, she doesn't matter. And he's like, whoa, uh-uh. No, sir. Um, so this is a point where we actually see Kakaru being, like, really assertive and, like, saying no this is not okay mm -hmm. um which we haven't we haven't seen him be like super verbal about that before like we've seen him tell naho like hey you should you should do this you should be more assertive and that kind of thing at this point he's standing up and saying like no this is not going to happen like this and so um like he's actually demonstrating to her like what she should be doing in a sense right it's interesting mm-hmm um, like they're playing off of each other. And it's so sad to watch Noho like running away from him because you can just see his face like fall apart every time it happens. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> also, I like how like uh, Noho's friends are just like, right or die, like, yo, you want us to beat that girl up? We will beat that girl up. <laughs> my god it was great i love her friends like all of her friends are fantastic and the fact that those uh the two girls in the friend group are just like yeah no nah, this ain't happening <laughs> um, like it made me so happy because i've mentioned this in other episodes like anytime you have like positive girl friendships and relationships i'm all about that life and in this sense you have these two girls who were like you know you are being absolutely terrible to our friend for no reason that like she can help and you need to get over it or we're going to do something about it. Mm -hmm. And you end up having um, Sua also step in at points, but these two girls are really, really instrumental yes. in it. And it's awesome. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the fifth episode. Okay. Kakiro invites Naho to join him after school as he is free due to the suspension of club activities. Naho continues to realize that there are discrepancies between her world and the letter she received from the future, as her letter tells her that all six friends will go together, but it ends up just being her and Kakiru, as everyone else cites various reasons that they cannot join. While overlooking the city, Kakiru uses the opportunity to present Naho with a hairpin as he thanks her for the bentos she makes for him. 
He also invites her out during the weekend to the library to study. With Naho's help, Kakuri receives the highest score in the chemistry test. Their science teacher gives a short, short explanation on the concept of time travel and the theory of alternate par parallel universes. <laughs> Coincidentally enough. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Naho suddenly realizes that the letter hasn't changed despite her present changing, probably due to the fact that she has perhaps created a new timeline with the choices she has made. She is devastated to think that despite everything she has done, nothing will change her future self. As the world has changed, an event where Kakuri asks Naho to watch the fireworks alone together at the end of the school festival is never triggered. Naho then forces herself to ask Kakuri to watch the fireworks with her. Kakuri asks Suwa for permission to see the fireworks alone with Naho, as he and the others are aware that Suwa actually likes Naho. Suwa, however, has made up his mind to support Kakuri and Naho instead. During the school festival, Naho is ambushed by Ueda and her lackeys, who bully her into showing the hairpin that Kakuri brought, bought for her, but she is saved by Suwa, who shows up and takes her back to, the, to their friends at the pool. She later thanks Suwa for everything he has done for her, as her letter tells her to never take his kindness and friendship for granted. The letter reveals that in the future, Suwa was the one who saved her heart. Isn't that a combination of two episodes? I don't know. It's all for the fifth episode. Huh, because I feel like a lot of that happened in the next episode. Um, but the hairpin did happen, and the studying did happen. And the studying part was really, really funny, um, because when he gets the the exam back, he has, like, a 97 or 98, something like that. Naho has, a, like, a 94. And then everybody else basically just freaking bombed it. <laughs> um, Hagita had, like, a 26 on his... I was like, Jesus, dude. And, like, I understand that, that science is hard. I get yeah. it. But, um, and I also texted you during this. And, like, this is some zero escape stuff happening right now. Because <laughs> it's like, here's this obscure uh, scientific theory thing that you've never even heard of. But we're going to talk about it for about, like, ten minutes. And it's going to matter eventually. Promise. <laughs> Pay attention. Parallel worlds, uh, alternate timelines. This is all very important. Right, and has nothing to do with what they're doing in class. Nope. Nothing. And I was like, oh my god, this is so funny. But yeah, I, I do think that a lot of this was in episode six as well. Because I remember that this was like them getting closer and then um, that she invites him to the fireworks. But I think that episode six has the actual like Ueda confrontation maybe maybe not i don't know anyway we'll just talk about it um yeah. so this is a instance where ueda is bullying naho because she's mad that kakuru broke up with her and she realizes that naho is the one that he actually has feelings for um and it's worth mentioning that one reason that Ueda has, like, latched on to him so much is because he's from Tokyo and she's from Tokyo. And so she, like, wants to make fun of all the, like, country people with him. Mm -hmm. And he's not really into that. Um, but, yeah, so she gets the hairpin and it's really pretty. And he asks her at one point, like, are you going to wear it? And so she plans to wear it to the fireworks so that he can see that she, like, appreciated it. And so she gets cornered at one point um, to see the hairpin. Right. And she also at one point is told to like go move boxes for a teacher. And um, I may be confusing these two. But anyway, she has to move the boxes for the teacher. I know for a fact because she's moving them and um, 
she's afraid she's going to miss the fireworks. And Kakaru thinks that he, like, got ditched. And uh, the two best friend girls come up and they're like, we got these boxes. You need to get to the pool. This Go is, This is now. the sixth episode. Is it? Yeah. Okay. So that was the, the way to confrontation then. Well, I think there's two the, different ones. The fireworks episode is six. Where she she gets cornered about the 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 uh the hairpin and then apparently in the sixth episode she gets cornered about carrying the cartons. Okay, so the hairpin is in five. Yes. And that's when Sua saves her. Yes. And he grabs her by the wrist and is like, "You're coming with me." <laughs> Not like that, but he like. You're coming with me. Yeah. Machos it up trying to to get her oh, saved. Yeah, you coming with me? Take it. Excuse me, what? You know, you said you said he was macho, like the macho man, Randy Savage. Yes. Okay, <laughs> I, 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 I get it now. So was now macho man Randy Savage, and any seriousness of this episode is now gone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's two different conversations. I'm right, yeah. but one of them is in episode six. Okay, yeah. so yeah. Anyway, the hairpin thing is she realizes that. Kakura gave it to her, so she's trying to steal it from her, um, which is like a pretty common trope in Japanese media. I haven't figured that out yet. Like, if a gift is given, then like they want to steal the gift away. It happens in a lot of anime. You're, you are right. I don't know exactly why, but yeah, that is. You're not wrong about that. Because like, I went to high school, and none of that ever really happened. Right. People just like you know treated you like utter garbage if you liked somebody that they liked trust me i know mm-hmm. <laughs> well speaking of confrontations that we've kind of already talked about let's talk about episode six yeah uh in the evening kakiru asks naho to meet at the pool as he wants to talk with sua who persuades kakiru to go and make naho happy However, Naho is once again cornered by Ueda and her lackeys and is bullied into carrying two heavy cartons to the upperclassmen's homeroom on the third floor. Ueda then heads to the pool with the intention to watch the fireworks with Kakiru, but is stopped at the gate by Sua and Hagita, who inform her that Kakiru is looking for her elsewhere. The fireworks start and Naho is distraught until Azusa and Takako run into her and quickly take the cartons, telling Naho to hurry to Kakiru. By the time she arrives, the fireworks have stopped, but Kakiru notices that Naho is wearing the hairpin he gave her. While they talk, the fireworks suddenly start again and they, re- and they watch together while holding hands. Later, Naho reads ahead in her letter and discovers that Kakiru will die in an accident near his home on February 15th. In the future timeline, Suwa asks Kakiru's grandmother if Kakiru's death was really an accident. She reveals the last note Kakiru wrote before he died, asking his grandmother to forgive him and that he was going to see his mother to apologize. In the present, the six friends decide to meet at the Matsumoto Bon Festival a few days later, but Naho and Kakiru find themselves alone when the other four pretend to be late. While visiting a shrine, Kakiru lets slip that he asks God to pass down a message to his mother. As her letter tells her to try to get Kakiru to open up about his mother, Naho finally manages to force Kakiru to reveal that he believes his mother's death was his fault, that his refusal to go with her on, to the hospital on the day of the opening ceremony led, ceremony led her to commit suicide. Naho is unable to comfort him and is upset as, he, as she doesn't know what to do. She is visited by Sua the next day and decides that she can't save Kakiru on her own. As she tries to explain everything, Sua stops her to reveal that he too has received a letter from his future self. Yeah! <laughs> Oh, man. So a lot happened in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I, I already talked about the, the box confrontation a bit, um, which it's it's pretty ride or die again with Sua and Hagita to be like, yeah, he wants to meet you uh, at, the, at the soccer 
team meetup place and like <laughs> she goes there and it's empty and she's like kicking the soccer ball ah. so she's mad um and the boxes turned out to be just like her winnings from winning like the beauty pageant <laughs> um but it's cute um the whole like hand holding scene is really really adorable and mm-hmm. um they're they're so shy um i think one of the best scenes in this entire anime is the scene with them talking after the like shrine thing yeah um legitimately that one was so hard to watch but so beautifully done because he's he's really trying to open up to her and then she doesn't understand what to do which is really common yeah um like if you're opening up to somebody about like somebody in your family committing suicide and your feelings about that and like your regrets a lot of people don't know how to react to that and that's normal Mm -hmm. and she doesn't she's like you know i i have all these instructions in the letter but i still don't know what to say to him and he uh he gets upset and he leaves early because you know she isn't able to like make him feel better and i mean that's a normal reaction on both of their parts. Right, yeah. Because, um, you know, there are always people who you say something uh, about, like, how you're feeling, and they're like, I don't know how to react to this. Like, I really don't. And a lot of it is extremely difficult to talk about and to actually, like, figure out a way to make it better. Mm -hmm. But on his end as well, it's really hard to open up because you know that they don't understand. Right. Um. So he knows like what he's feeling, what he's going through, his regrets, but he's not able to verbalize it in a way that she can actually comprehend it and like sympathize with him in a way that he needs. Mm-hmm. That's hard. It's yeah. really, really hard. And um, it ends up with him like sitting on the opposite bench of her because he's like, you know, I, I just need to be by myself for a bit. And then he skedaddles when people show up. Um, and so she feels like, you know, she let him down and is freaking out, which is what leads to the really great reveal at the end of this episode. <laughs> uh, I was not expecting that, but, um, she realizes at that point she can't do it by herself. Um, because she doesn't know what to say to him and she doesn't know how to make it better. And really it's not necessarily a sense of like, I can make it better, but like, how do you form a support system for him? Right. And then when uh, Sua comes up and it's like, so about that letter, I got one too. Then you realize like, okay, they can work together. They can create a support system. So you feel a bit more hopeful at this point. Like I feel like it's a turning point in the series. And that like you understand more of how Kakaru's feeling. But at the same time, you see that like they're going to try and build a way to make him feel like he doesn't have to do what he does. Right. Um, also, his grandma is a really fantastic character. Um, like she's a very minor character, but she, uh, the scenes with her are always intriguing to watch Mm -hmm. because of the way that she talks about things. Right. And this is one of them that she's like, you know, it, it wasn't an accident what happened. Like he purposefully rode his bicycle in front of that truck. And, you know, this is the letter that I got with him explaining it. And like, she's very stoic about it. And um, I'm assuming that this is his mom's mom because they 
I mean, his dad hasn't been in the picture since he was in kindergarten. Right. I, I would assume so as well. So it's kind of a double whammy for this lady because she's had her daughter commit suicide and then like half a year later she has her grandson commit suicide. Mm -hmm. And she's still at the sense where she's like talking to his friend group and saying, you know, he, he really cared about you guys a lot and he talked about you and, you know, I appreciate what you did and it's, oh God, <laughs> so good. <laughs> Again, she's a very minor character, but I, I I love the interactions with her. Right. But yeah, now we got the reveal that like, hey, Naho's not the only one with a future letter, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. In many ways we could see where that goes. But uh, let's continue on with episode number seven. Uh, now Naho learns from Suwa that he also got a letter from his future self. They teamed up to and they teamed up to plan to save Kakiru from his impending suicide. They also learn about Kakiru's upcoming birthday, and the gang decides to ask him what he wants for his birthday. When Naho notices Kakiru doesn't have a sports bag, she decides to buy one for him. Again, Ueda corners Nato, or Naho, and telling her to give up, but Takako interferes and reveals that Ueda is a bully. <laughs> Big reveal, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> Woo! Meanwhile, Sua and Kakiru have a conversation regarding the latter's birthday. Shifting timelines, the present-day gang visits Kakiru's desk and places her gifts, but a, but a bouquet of flowers was handed to Naho by Sua, telling that Kakiru intends to give give flowers to Naho. As they celebrate Kakiru's birthday and handed their respective gifts, Sua gives Kakiru a bunch of flowers and whispered to Kakiru that he should give it to Naho. As Naho and Sua's letters progress, they learn that Kakiru will visit his friends in Tokyo and reveal his intention of committing suicide. Naho becomes worried, but Sua had a plan, so they confronted Kakiru, who was acting a bit weird. It reveals that Kakiru wants to die due to his regret of not accompanying his, his ill mother after the first day of school. It also reveals that Kakiru lambasted his mother on a text message while enjoying Naho's company, despite Naho want, wanting to confess that her invitation is the reason why Kakiru joined them. Sua joins the confrontation and hugs Kakiru, telling him to live and move on. Naho reveals her feelings to Kakiru that she is in love with him. Learning from Naho's feelings, Kakiru decides to move on and forget about suicide. Oh, this episode was really good. <laughs> um, so one thing that I thought was really cute is that they were like pestering him about like his birthday gifts. He's like, I don't know this. I, I don't know. <laughs> and um, this is at one point where we see Naho actually like standing up for herself in a way. Um, because she's talking to Kakaru and asks him like, you know, what what do you need? And she realizes that he doesn't have a sports bag. And you get like a little bit of a flashback that his mom had thrown out his sports bag and his cleats mm -hmm. um, when they moved. And we find out a little bit more about that in a later episode. But um, so she's like, all right, I'll get you a sports bag. And he's like, no, 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 it's too expensive. And then he leaves and she's walking out. And uh, Uwe is like, oh, you know, thanks for the information. That's what I'm going to get him for his birthday. And she's like, fine, he'll get two. <laughs> like, good, Naho. Good job. Like, she's still cowering and she's still scared of Oida. But at the same time, she's like, I'm not backing down on this. That's what he's getting. If you get him one, two, fine. He'll have two bags. <laughs> so, like, I was really, really proud of her at that point. Um, and the scene with the flowers was also funny because Sua gives him the bouquet of flowers. And uh, I think it, it, who was it that said it? I think it was Hagita. He's like, what are you, his boyfriend? 
It's really cute. Um, the the scene in the like with the cleaning where they confront him. Mm-hmm. Oof, it's rough. It's real rough. Yeah, it's really really rough. Um, because basically Sue is like, talk to us. You're shutting everybody out. There's something going on. Tell us what's happening. And then like. Sua at one point gets him in like the most intense hug and I'm just like oh man boy <laughs> showing emotion is great um but it 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 hurts that entire thing because he's like telling them straight out like this is how I feel this is my issue and like you can see on his face how terrible he feels about everything and like he says at this point that he's he's not willing to to commit suicide anymore and like to to change but um he doesn't actually go through with that change yet you can tell that he's like saying that but right, it's right. not actually how he feels yeah um which becomes like a point of tension throughout like the rest of the episodes is that like they know what's going on in his head and he's actually explicitly said what's going on in his head but they don't know how to combat it mm-hmm. um and I don't know, no, it's in a later episode, so I'm not going to talk about it yet. But, um, yeah, and he's freaking Tokyo friends. God. Um, I don't know, man, this entire cleaning scene wrecked me. It's, yeah, it's, it's a big bundle of emotions for you. Mm-hmm. Wrapped up in a hug. It is. <laughs> oh. All right, I'm gonna get through this without crying. I cried a lot during watching this. No surprise there. Like a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, but I'm not gonna cry during the podcast. Promise. We'll see. Okay, maybe we'll see. Uh, episode number eight. Kakiru cancels his plans with his friends from Tokyo, telling Naho that Sua is more fun to hang out with, anyways. Naho begins to feel that she can change what happened in the past, as a Tokyo visit was when he was supposed to exp- express his intent to suicide. However, on the same day that he first attempted suicide in his previous life, Naho instead experiences a dizzy spell on the soccer pitch. After Kakiru is picked up by his grandmother, Suo meets up with Naho and apologizes for not giving them a supportive push, despite his future self suggesting that he should. Naho, excuse me. Naho returns home and begins reading further into her present-day timeline and learns that Kakiru is going to be uneasy about being picked to anchor the relay team for his class, the class races. Along with Sua, they make sure not to force him in to run in the race initially, and he concedes that he is in fact nervous that he might fall and lose the race for the team. Prior to alerting his class about his decision, Azusa and Takako pressure Sua into talking to them, feeling that he is hiding something from them. The entire group of friends each elect to volunteer for roles in the race, and Kakiru decides that he will run the race with his friends. After school, Sua and Naho discuss their decision to go against the letter-suggested path, and Naho builds the resolve to put her letter away and go off what she feels Kakiru wants in her heart more than what her future self seems to think. The next day, Hagita asks Azusa to hang out with him after school. Kakiru also asks Naho to walk to the school gates with him. In the locker room, however, she trips and falls into Kakiru's arms and is too embarrassed or unsure to accept his efforts to hold her hand. The same issue repeats the next day, and in both cases, Kakiru excuses himself. Naho is confronted by everyone else in the group, and Azusa and Takako both reveal their letters. Furthermore, they suggest that Kakiru maybe not have anything wrong with him other than the rejections felt from not getting to hold Naho's hand. Hagita is pushing to also revealing his letter by Azusa, or Azusa, confirming that everyone else has received letters from the future. Together, they strengthen their resolve to save their friend. 
which further solidifies support group. Um, mm-hmm. This episode has a lot in it, like a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of where to start on this. Uh, we'll talk more about his first attempt at suicide later in one of the episodes. So I'm not going to really talk about that right now. Okay. Um, Cause I think it's like episode 11 or 12, something like that. I think it's 12 that they, they go into that further. So I want to go, I want to talk about it there. Um, uh, the scene where they're all like standing up and volunteering to do the race was super cute. <laughs> um, it was amazing. Everybody's like, we'll do it. I'll do it. And then like, lastly, Hagi's just sitting there and like, uh, I'm I'm not I'm not good at running. They're like, you better get up right now. Get up. You, you better Stand do up. it. <laughs> He's like, all right. Fine. Um. And I, I think it was this episode where you actually see that him and Azwa like are training together, and it's so freaking cute. Mm-hmm. Um, because it turns out that he's like the slowest kid in their class. Yeah. <laughs> like slower than anybody else, and so he's like, all right. I got to do this. Let's get better. <laughs> and so uh, they train together and it, it's, it's super cute. And uh, I think this is also a part where it becomes like really clear that he has a crush on her mm-hmm. um, because she's like, you could have asked anybody to help you train because it's also slow, <laughs> but you picked me. Why would you do that? Um, what else happened that I should talk about? The hand holding. Hand holding. This was the part where I didn't understand how Anaho didn't understand what was going on. <laughs> Especially this far in. Yeah. Um, because he keeps like putting his hand. She's like, what What do you want? I'm like, oh my God, Naho. Naho. Please. Why do you think he's putting his hand out? Is he asking for money? Like, what do you think he's doing? You got a couple bucks to spare. <laughs> and she's like, I don't understand. And then he like runs away upset. I'm like, girl, really? Really? You can't figure this out on your own. He keeps putting his hand out. I wonder what he could possibly want. I <laughs> I just wanted her to like put something weird in his hand. Like, here, here's a lunchbox. <laughs> here's an eraser. Yeah, here's an eraser. Um and you can see how much it affects him throughout this episode. Like, he gets really, really upset that she won't hold his hand because he feels like he's done something wrong. Right. And um, and she's just being dumb. Like She's like, I don't understand what you want from me. And he's like, you know, what am I doing that she's not understanding my intentions? Because, like, up until this point, they've been steadily building to, like, a relationship. Um. Although, uh, you know, he had even said during the part where he passed out that uh, they were not dating. Right. Um, because he passed out and um, I think it was Azua who's like, your girlfriend was really worried about it. And it's like, my girlfriend? I, I don't have a girlfriend. Who are you talking about? And uh, he says, like, I don't want to date anybody because I feel like I'll hurt them. And, uh, but then, like, something as simple as like I want to hold your hand and then she's like I don't understand it's it's wrecking him 
And it feels terrible. <laughs> and finally, everybody's like, Naho, you're an idiot. <laughs> How did you not realize you just wanted to hold your hand? How is this hard? And that they basically said everything that I was trying to say to her. And they're like, girl, no. Just hold the man's hand. That's all you got to do. It's okay. Um, but yeah, she did fall like face first into his chest at one point, which is pretty funny. Uh, and he says at one point, like, I don't think it was this episode, but in a later episode, he's like, I didn't mind that really. <laughs> because she's like, I'm so sorry. I fell into you. He's like, nope, it was good. I'm fine with it. You touched my chest. This is cool. <laughs> it's cute. They're adorable. <laughs> Even though she's an idiot. I just don't understand how do you not understand he's trying to hold your hand. It's very Arr! hard, clearly. But also finding out that everybody has letters and that they're all on board to try and save him is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I love it. Because it becomes more than a shoujo at this point. Like, it's not about the relationship between Naho and Kakaru. It's about the entire dynamic of the group, and I right. love that. Yeah. Like, it's shoujo, but it's also this. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. All about it. Well, now we have five episodes left. So let's talk about number nine. Everyone except for Kakiru continue to discuss their support for Naho, saying the only way they feel that Kakiru will truly be happy is if he is with her. Naho begins making a more conscious effort to do what she feels she needs to do to improve upon the relationship. After school, the group meets up to discuss their efforts to make it all work out, but when Kakiru asks, they cover it up and suggest they are deciding, and, and suggest they are deciding on the race order. Asuza begins to look into her letter from her present-day self and discovers that her birthday will fall on a rainy day. The umbrella she receives as a gift from Hagita she lends to Kakiru when she asks Naho to let him walk under hers. And her present-day self wonders what would have happened if she hadn't. Despite the sunny forecast, everyone but Kakiru now feature an umbrella, unlike Azusa's present recollection of just Naho and Azusa having one. In the end, Naho and Kakiru use Naho's umbrella and walk home, and eventually leads to holding one another's hands. Kakiru gets closer to Naho, but when he says... Or when he says or when he suggests that he would like to be able to go out with her on a date, that he will wait for her to want to do so. Naho is un- unable to say this yet. The scene shifts nine days forward to the day of the athletic meet, where Naho reads her letter from her future self once more. She learns that Kakiru is unable to tell the rest of the group about his mother. Suwa decides to ask his parents to invite Kakiru's grandmother along to the meet and offer her a ride, which improves Kakiru's spirits at the time. During the group photo, photo however, he begins to think about his mother again and still seems to be troubled by his past. The group minus Kakiru gets together again, where Azusa wonders how those or wonders how those he hasn't told yet should help him if he doesn't want to tell them. Sua tries to get Kakiru fired up by suggesting he might start asking her out. Uh, Kakiru responds that he would be okay with that and cites them that moving away might be a reality and he wouldn't want to hurt Naho. The closing scene has Kakiru doubting himself and how he responded verbally to Suo when his actions show otherwise. <sighs> <laughs> Again, there's a lot in this episode. Um, the umbrella part was adorable because at one point he's like, why do you all have umbrellas? It called for sun. <laughs> and they're like, no, it said it was going to rain. It said it was going to rain. And he's, no, can I use the umbrella you just got as a gift? No, it's a gift. It's mine. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're all so freaking obvious. It's hilarious. <laughs> But it's cute because he finally gets the handhold that he's been asking for for ages here. 
Um, and that was that was great. And that's another fun shoujo trope of walking under the umbrella together. Uh, and then they get wet at some point, but I can't remember why. Rain. Well, yeah, but like <laughs> for some reason, like they get out from under the umbrella. I think like, oh, I remember what it was. Um, he like rushes up against her and she like jumps back and she's like startled by it. Mm-hmm. And then he feels like, oh, she's going to reject me again. She's like, sorry, I was just startled. It's it's okay. And then like they're all wet and then they hold hands. Um, so that's that's a point where he actually doesn't get rejected because Naho finally figures out like, hmm, maybe he just wants to, you know, be closer with me. Wow. Amazing. Um, hmm. Hmm. I'm trying. So then, I guess the athletic festival is what we should be talking about, right? At least like part of it. I think yeah, I yeah. No, you're right. Um, God, I can't get over the umbrella. It's so funny. <laughs> uh, okay. So the athletic meet is interesting. Um. I don't think they do any of the events in this episode. They don't. Um, This is all the buildup, and like one of the things, the events that again is really well done in this is him, his grandmother being there, um, because she didn't really know about it nor have a way to get there, and so they make sure that she's there. Mm -hmm. And at first, it makes him happy because he's like oh there's somebody here to support me and like in the original timeline there was everybody no else there was nobody there um and that's also a really uh like big red flag of depression is like he's not telling anybody about big events in his life like he's not telling his grandma about this athletic meet even though she's obviously willing to show up um but he just didn't want to bother with it. Um, but he's still really, really struggling because he keeps thinking of like a kindergarten, first grade, something like that meet where his mom came and was taking pictures and was so proud of him. And so he's, he's happy that his grandma's there, but he's upset that his mom is not. Right. And um, they do have a conversation of like, Okay, so we all know about what's going on. We all know about his mom, even though he's telling all of us that his mom had to work that day, and so that's why she couldn't show up. So, like, what do we do? Um, I think one of the most hard-hitting parts of this is Sua saying that he's going to ask out Naho, and Kaku's like, that would be fine. I think that's actually better. Like, (laughs) (laughs) that's another big red flag, buddy. Really, really, really big red flag. Big old red flags. Yeah. And I mean, he does that, that fake smile again here. And um, again, nobody's picking it up. Nobody's Mm. realizing that's what's going on, but that's not how he feels. And it's obvious that's not how he feels, but he, He's pushing that to happen. Oh. 
it's a lot here that hurts. A lot of it hurts. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, you want to move on to episode 10? Yeah, let's talk about right. the uh, athletic meet thingy. Cockatier's friends notice something is amiss because of the way he's acting. Hagita's future self knows that Cockatier had injured himself during the pole toppling game. Hagita, Azusa, Suwa, and Takako eventually catch up to Naho and Kakiru, whom were sent on an errand by a teacher. They confront Kakiru about why he is down during the meet when they had hoped it would be a happier time for him, hoping that he might open up to them about some, some of what is bothering him. Kakiru eventually caves about his mother being gone and, now he, and how he is unsure if he should be having fun together without her. Together, they help Kakiru realize that there are people that care for him all around him, and that it's okay to be true to his own feelings, good or bad. Kakiru gets his ankle treated while the rest of the group finish the errand, and all six compete in the race. After the race, Kakiru's grandmother talks about how he wasn't smiling much, and she divorced his father as a kid. Or after she divorced his father as a kid. Until he managed to finish, uh... Until he managed to finish first at the final race of the meet. His grandmother said that she was so happy when he finally smiled back then, and that she was probably happy right now that he was able to smile again. Guessing they're talking about his mom. His mom, yeah. It's very badly worded. <laughs> It is. Meanwhile, Naho thinks about the letter and how they have diverted from both the mistake and the suggested alternative that her future self suggested. Naho and Kakiru meet at the conclusion of the race where Kakiru manages to take a reward he was promised for winning the race. <sighs> um, so one part of this that is hilarious is um, the pole toppling game, like all the boys take off their shirts. <laughs> and uh, Naho is like, all about some Kakaru shirtlessness and like everybody else is losing their mind about Suwa because he's like ripped and um, Hagita has drawn on abs and purple <laughs> marker I forgot about that <laughs> it's so funny <laughs> he's like standing there and they do like the anime trip where his glasses are like you can't see his eyes and he's like standing with his hands on his hips with his drawn on abs <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, uh, the, the whole thing with the, the ankle is they're, um, they're treating Sua for an injury he got. And then, uh, Naho was saying, you know, oh, you also got injured. Can I treat you? And he's like, no, no, I'm good. I'm fine. And um, part of this is that he's jealous of Sua and how he looks, like his physical appearance. Mm -hmm. And he even says at some point, like, I can't remember if it's this episode or a later episode, where he's like, you know, I, I don't have that body. Um, and so, like, some body issues there. Which, right. Yeah, I get. Um, and then uh, you have the, the mat carrying, which for some reason a teacher is like, Hey, Naho and Kakaru, it'd be a good idea for both of you to carry this really heavy mat by yourselves. Like, no, <laughs> dumb teacher. Um, but they're both struggling and having a hard time. And like, wow, symbolism, this is really important. And then everybody else shows up and is like, with the six of us together, we can carry this really easily. Um, wow, I wonder what that's supposed to mean. Hmm. Uh, and um they like you said they're able to like get him to open up about like how he feels like he's not supposed to have fun because his mom's not there and they're like um your mom would want you to have fun your mom would want you to smile and he decides okay i'm gonna stop being an angsty butt and go get my ankle treated um so that we can do this and 
they they mentioned in the letter several times across the letters that he had tripped during the race originally and then he felt it was his fault that his team lost right and so like initially they had told him not to do it and then they did the whole like group decision of doing it and then um it's super cute how they do the relay race because they're all running and there's a there's a situation where each time they pass a baton they're like pass a message to Kakaru mm-hmm. and eventually I think it's Naho who gives it to him and is like you know you you need to be happy and you need to see us in 10 years and stuff like that and eventually he's like 10 years what that's really <laughs> specific um but basically like they're all saying we're here for you um and the the big message of it they say every time is don't lose yeah and like obviously they're talking about something that's not this race he doesn't know that but every single message starts with don't lose um but yeah we do get some backstory about like how this is where we find out that his uh parents divorced when he was a kid and that he was happy during like an athletic festival when he was a kid and big smiley things and with his mom. And then after that, that he wasn't as happy anymore. And, um, that he thinks that, or she, his grandma thinks that his mom would have been happy to see him smiling. Uh, and the whole like reward bit was that, um, Azusa was like, I know what it should be if we pass people or we win, like there should be a kiss. <laughs> and um, cause Hagito is saying like, since he's slow, if he passes one person that like he wanted a reward and he actually did pass a person, but then they made fun of him cause it was a girl, but he tried so hard. I was really proud of him. He did. And uh, Kakaru's reward was supposed to be if he, if he wins, he could get a kiss from Naho and so um, they're like talking alone together. At one point, he kisses her on the cheek, and he was like, "I had to get my reward." And she like loses her brain at that <laughs> point. It was really cute. Uh, although it was really oddly animated, because to me it wasn't clear that he kissed her on the cheek. It looked like he kissed her like on the hair. <laughs> and I was like, "Um, Chomp. <laughs> yeah, like- with the hair." <laughs> like why you can animate him kissing her actual cheek because she holds her cheek afterwards and I'm like oh I guess he kissed her cheek but the way that they animate it he's like kissing around like her ear area and her hair and I'm like what <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of that kind of dampened the moment for me a little bit that they didn't actually animate like a real cheek kiss and right. I was like is he sniffing her? Like, what is he doing? <laughs> um, but yeah, big old symbolism with that heavy mat, man. Big old mat. Yeah, I mean, the two of them were struggling to carry it, and they were like falling and taking breaks and yelling about the ankle, and then finally everybody's like, "Yo, we're helping. Yo, go get your ankle checked out." and they get group pictures taken which is really cute well 
Do you want to talk about some angst? Some hurt? Um, have we not already been talking about some angst and some hurt? True. We'll have out some more. All right. Sprinkled let's do it. on top. Episode eleven. The group each takes one each the excuse me. The group each takes one photo that was taken by Sua's father. <laughs> they eat the photo. They eat the photo. The story shifts to the future group where Sua hopes that Cockatier is okay with him stealing his girl. Oh my god. This is Stelia girl. They begin to each question what they would could have done differently, but it hits Sua the hardest since he was the only one who really knew how both sides felt. Nahu comments about how she still would have married him, citing how happy she was when she got his confession in high school. The day of the confession was New Year's Eve. Shifting back to the present, Sua suggests that they spend New Year's Eve as a group, but Sua doesn't want to go. Takako then alerts him to what she receives from about or receives from her future self and asks him if he really wants to let go of his chance to be with Naho so easily. The episode shifts back to the class to, to a class discussion about parallel worlds, which explains <laughs> a lot about how the future will stay the same regardless of their decisions. He will still always marry Naho in that world, but in this world, he wants to make a choice to support Kakiro and Naho. Kakiro couldn't make the Christmas day because of his grandma being sick. The feature letter wanted Kakiro to stay with her on New Year's despite his grandmother's conditions, condition, and he refused to do so. She tries to get him to stay because they meet his grandmother in the letter, too, meaning she lives through in that future. This leads to Naho making the same mistake, and the fight happens again. After encouragement from the group, Sua meets up with Naho and says he will support them no matter what, but remains firm to not confess his love for Naho. Um, so one part of this that's super cute is that the, the photo selection part, Mm-hmm. because uh, they're all like trying to figure out what kind of picture they're going to take. And uh, Naho takes a picture of um, Kakuru like smiling really big. And it's a genuine smile. You can see it at that point. He's smiling really big at her. And he's like, you're barely in this picture. Like you can see the back of your head and that's it. Why do you want that picture? And she's like, I just want it. Okay. And he's like, <laughs> Give me the fine. Picture. That I'm going to take this one of you as a cheerleader. And she's like, oh. <laughs> uh, this is my favorite. It was cute. Um, especially because in the last episode when they were all dressed as cheerleaders, I was like, you look like crap. <laughs> um, so, like, the boys were being, like, super cinderary about the, the cheerleader stuff. So, when he chooses this, it's like, yay. Um. Also, I'm laughing at the wording of stealing his girl. It's <laughs> real good. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, this entire episode is basically Sua trying to figure out like what to do. Mm-hmm. Because he does care about her and he knows how both of them feel. And he feels somewhat responsible. Because this is where like the turning point happened. Um yeah, that was, that was an interesting part with her sitting in the back of the car. And it's like, I would have married you anyway. He's like, I don't know about that. <laughs> Let's be real. Come on. Um, So he he's trying really hard to get out of going to the festival. And he's like, yeah, I got stuff to do. I got things to do. And they call him like, what are you doing? Watching TV. But he's like, Al- <laughs> yeah, you're watching TV, buddy. Totally. Um, They do the whole like. Let's go get our luck Fortunes. drawing things. There you go. Those things. And um, I think like Naho and Kaguru both get like slight luck. Um, the fight was intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, this is a lot of the same thing that happened at that other festival where um, 
she's like trying to understand what he's going through and can't. And this is something that I think is really important because he gets frustrated at this point that she can't understand, but like that it's understandable on both sides. Like I understand that she doesn't understand it, but I also understand that he wants somebody to understand him. Mm -hmm. Um, Her wording is not good. And she knows that Um, she could have phrased it in a better way. Right. And because she's basically like, it's all going to be okay. And like, that's usually not the best thing to say to somebody who's going through this kind of struggle. Like, it's just not. Yeah. Um, And so like, she goes to reach for him and he even like slaps her hand away and like runs away from her. And, um, we find out that this is like the last interaction that she had with him mm-hmm. um, in, in the original timeline that like she never got to apologize for the fight or anything before uh, before he committed suicide on February 15th. But uh, like she had tried so hard trying to figure out like, what do I do different to make this fight not happen? And then it happened in the exact same way. And um, this is like the pivotal moment of Sua where he realizes like he has to go to her he has to make her feel better but at the same time he cannot confess to her he has to say like go get him go find him right right and at one point she actually tries to call kakaru to like apologize and he throws his phone on the ground and shatters it um because he just doesn't want to deal with it which like i've had those moments i haven't shattered my phone because i love it too much but like (laughs) i've had those moments where i will just legitimately put my phone away and like i have to be away from people at the moment right yeah i get i get that Um, so it, it was at this point like i started to worry that like maybe they weren't going to be successful um because he's still not able to like relate to them in a, in a way. Um, and I mean, it's hard when you have a dead parent and other people don't like, they don't understand. Right. Because like you, you can feel like you can love your parents and you can understand like, okay, you know, it sucked to have them gone, but until you actually have a dead parent, you don't know how it feels. And especially in his instance where he feels like it was a completely avoidable death. So, like, Naho was trying to be very, very positive and optimistic, and that's not what he needed at that point. Yeah. And, I mean, it's not her fault. It's not, because it's it's difficult to handle a situation like this, especially when somebody's, like, intensely emotional and he's also afraid that like the only person he has left is going to die it's incredibly complicated yeah um because his grandma is literally the only family he has left and she got sick to the point that she had pneumonia and like old people with pneumonia is scary it's very serious um and so he's like you know i I feel like if she if she dies, I'm alone. And she's like, "No, you're not alone." He's like, "No, you you don't get it." Um, it's. 
I cried so much during this episode. <laughs> I cried so like I my eyes are watering at the moment thinking about this episode because I legitimately thought they would not not succeed at this point. Right. I I thought at this point that like no matter what they did, there was like it was inevitable and inevitable. No, like there's no changing that that uh that feeling. But no, not that feeling, but like. I guess the his decision. That's what I'm trying to say. There, mm. there was like, there's no changing his decision. That's what you were thinking, right? That's what I thought. Was that at this point, I was I was thinking like, oh god, no matter what they do, like he's still gonna go through with it. Mm-hmm. It was tough. Speaking of tough episodes, speaking of tough episodes, crap. let's talk about the penultimate episode, letter twelve. We're gonna get some backstory and all that jazz. Yeah, literally, this is basically just like Kakaru's side of everything, of mm-hmm. like the original timeline. Uh, the episode begins with the story of Kakaru moving to the area and covers the day of his mother's suicide and some of the events that led to his eventual suicide in the future timeline. While most of the details are hashed out in notes from the future, the end of the flashback of the future timeline shows when Kakaru found his mother's phone and the unsent message that he never received from her. He learns things that he didn't know about her situation, including her father's violent past that led to the divorce that he blamed her, his mother for. It allows him to gain resolve that needed to commit suicide to be with his mother again. After a brief visit to Naho's future timeline, the story resumes in the present. Naho read in the letter that she never was able to talk the same way with Kakadu again, and she makes a point to apologize to him for what happened on New Year's, which her future self was never able to, comp- never able to accomplish. While she does accomplish this goal, there is still a rift between the two that she can't seem to get through. The future selves of the five group members meet at the designated spot where they lament inviting Kakuru to go with them on that day. They discuss that a researcher believes that there is a black hole in the same location as the Bermuda Triangle, and they decide to send letters out to sea in hopes of reaching their past selves. The episode concludes with Naho telling Kakuru to wait until Valentine's Day. Her thoughts suggest that she remains committed to seeing him through his troubles, regardless of whether or not he likes her or hates her. Alright, so there's a lot to unpack in this episode. (laughs) Um, because we see his side of a lot of events and one of them being the day that they invite him out and, um, you see that he's trying really hard to make friends and he's excited about the opportunity to make friends. He was supposed to go to the hospital with his mom Mm -hmm. and he sends a text message to her and this is partially why he feels responsible. He sends this text message to her that basically says like, I'm with friends. I'm not coming. You're an adult. You can go. And I mean, he's a kid. Yeah. And like kids say dumb stuff. And they even say at one point, like kids always feel like their mom is nagging them or being like ridiculous or whatever. And like in this instance, he had no way of knowing. Right. That like that kind of message would come across as wrong and be the last thing that he said to her um but we see you know that that affected him a lot understandably um we also see the uh meeting with the friends in tokyo which i mm, this part was really difficult for me because he's sitting there with his group of friends and they're all talking and he mentions, I mean, he almost blatantly says like, I I'm, want to commit suicide. Like he says, I want to die mm-hmm. and everybody's talking over him and not paying attention. And 
basically like strengthens his, his resolve in it because nobody actually cares to stop him or to say like you shouldn't do it. They just ignore him. And it was so hard. It was so hard to watch this kid. Like he he wanted somebody to say no. Mm-hmm. And they just didn't. They kept talking about stupid that they want to talk about because they're 16 years old and that's what you do. Like you never really have to deal with your friends saying like, you know, I want to die. It's tough. Um, and then the phone thing was intense. Yeah. Just a little. So, um, he asked his grandma where his mom's pictures were cause he wanted to go through them. And, um, So he finds his mom's phone, he puts it on the charger and opens it up and he sees that like the last received message that she had from him was the message that he had sent and like already felt like and then like he goes through the unsent message, like the drafts on her phone and sees her explaining everything and like how his dad was extremely abusive and that she didn't want to subject him to that and that she was sorry and um Basically, he realized that, like, he's been having these negative feelings towards his mom his entire life, and there was no reason for it. And um, so it, it kind of strengthens his his want to be with his mom again because he feels like he's wronged her in many ways. It furthers his resolve that, like, he's responsible for it. Yeah. And we see a lot of what's going on uh, with Kakaru and Naho because... She apologizes, like, oh, you know, it's it's fine, whatever. And then um, after that, she keeps saying, you know, let's hang out or let's do this. And he's like, oh, no, I got I got this other thing to do. Or, like, she'll say hi, good morning, whatever. And then, like, he'll go and find another friend to talk to. Mm-hmm. And, like, she doesn't understand how to get through to him, which, again, this was really after the episode that we just got off. I was like, oh, God, no, <laughs> because he's. He's distancing himself purposefully. Right. Um, he's not talking to anybody. He's shut himself down. And, like, he knows what he needs to do in his mind. He doesn't actually need to do this. Um, and we do find out that there was, like, a, a confusion on Valentine's Day. That, like, there was she had a box of chocolates that she was going to give. And he asked her like a few times who she was going to give it to. And she told him that she couldn't say. And um, then finally he left school and was like, you know, good luck giving it to whoever you're going to give it to thinking that she was giving it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, which again is like the last straw for him. That's that, uh, that is, we're, we're getting a little bit ahead. Mm, sorry. <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> Just making- They talk about it a little bit on here. Like, are we talking about like, the original timeline version? Yeah, the original okay. timeline. Okay, okay, okay. In the original timeline, my bad. He's he, he she's not able to give it to him, and so that strengthens his resolve to okay. go yeah, through yeah. with it on the fifteenth. Um, because basically, like he he had pushed everybody away, and then he felt that Naho had given up on him and was giving the chocolate to somebody else. Then on the fifteenth, he finds the phone and he's like, "All right, there's nothing mm-hmm. left for me." Right. Um, so that's the original timeline. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, you get the like crazy Bermuda Triangle stuff of like, 
There's a black hole, and black holes are what people think can can uh, do time travel. So if we can get the letters to the Bermuda Triangle and address them to our future self with postage and have them delivered on this day, then everything will be fine. <laughs> so nonsensical. It's hilarious. Um, so that was a good little break between all the the super emotions of the, this <laughs> this part. Then, like, so what if we got the letters to the Bermuda Triangle? How do we get to the Bermuda Triangle? How do we do this? And it's like, oh my god, guys, <laughs> you're hilarious. Which then leads us to the last one, the finale. Yep, yep, yep. It's called Last Letter. Because the last what letter. Ladder. Boy, there's a lot to this. We're gonna be we're gonna be talking a lot. <laughs> Oops. Uh, leading up to Kakuru's final day, Naho struggles with being able to deliver her chocolate to Kakuru. The future letter outlines the four different chances that she will have, but the first three times she missed her opportunity. Her last chance she has, Kakuru leaves earlier than anticipated, and she hurries to catch up. On the way there, she collides with Ueda and drops the chocolate and gets stepped on. This does not change her resolve to uh, to chase after Kakuru. She meets him in the locker room, wherein where he attempts to decline receiving the chocolate. She confronts him about avoiding her, and he suggests that if that he felt like he hurt her on New Year's Day. She delivers the message sent by text in the future, I'm not hurt. Furthermore, she expresses her commitment to Kakiru regardless of fights that occur and apologizes again to Kakiru. He admits that he was trying to distance himself because he didn't want to hurt her anymore. He admits every time she wanted to be with him, it made him happy and that he struggled to keep his distance. She finally expresses her desire to go out with him on a date and reminds him that if she asked him if he would go out on a date, he'd do it. Despite his attempts to avoid Daho in the date, blah, 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 Despite his attempts to avoid Naho in the date, still, or she, okay, she eventually gets her point across that she is okay with his, all his faults and embraces him in a hug. After a brief scene, he requests the chocolate that Naho had behind her back, still, and the rest of the group on looking cheers them on in much the same way they stood up for Ueda early on. Uh, Kakiru's last day in the future timeline finally occurs. Each member of the group gives Kakiru gifts in an attempt to lift his spirit as high as possible. Naho provides him a lunch for the first time since the Ueda issue months earlier. Kakiru even turns down the walk home, suggesting he's going to the hospital with his grandma. This was something he had refused the, the opportunity to do in the future timeline. Small changes occur throughout the episode that differ from the letters, but the group is still worried about 8pm that night. The future group talks about the paradox that would occur if the timelines were connected, and further convince themselves that they have to say they have said goodbye to Kakiru for the final time in their own time. But they are satisfied with sending the letters, knowing that if there are parallel timelines, that they save him. That it is more than worth it. To, more than worth it to them to try it. The present timeline returns, and Kakiru looks at his mother's phone in the current timeline, just like future timeline. This was the event that pushed him to commit suicide previously. While he lasts beyond the 8 p.m. timeline, that the event, the that. The event occurred in the past. He makes the same effort to take his own life again, walking in front of an oncoming truck. However, this time he couldn't bring himself to do it and got out of the way at the last minute, citing that friendship made him reconsider. Specifically, the friends he had made had led him to consider their feelings as well. The group all shows him the letters that they received from the future and suggests that they had attempted to make amends for previous mistakes. They also provide letters from their future for him to read. In the end, Stuart tells him it's his fault for trying to die and that he won't forgive him if he does, and then apologizes for him for inviting him to join them during the opening ceremony. All the friends embrace. Afterwards, they walk back and learn that someone vandalized his bike, Hagita, which is why he walked instead of why he walked instead and was late. He writes a letter to his future self for the capsule that differs from the future timeline and occurs on a day beyond when he otherwise would be living in the future timeline. The group takes the time to put the put together a time capsule in much the same way they had in the future timeline. This breaks the chain of events, and the future world suggests that they will ensure it never happens, as they will always be there for Kakiru. Yep, there's a lot here. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Yeah, so um, 
again, in the last episode, we were talking about how um, the chocolate was like one of his last breaking points. Mm-hmm. And so she's determined she's going to give him this dang chocolate. And so she she's following the the different choices and fails each time. Um, the one way the way to is interesting because uh, oh wait, it's like who are you gonna give that to? You can't give it to anybody now; it's ruined. And she's like, you know what? I'm gonna do it anyway. Um, even though, like at one point, she's like, "Don't go anywhere because I'm gonna give you chocolate," but I can't give you chocolate now. And, like he realizes that she's holding it behind her back. Like right, <laughs> he's not dumb. <laughs> Um, but this is the part where I was talking about where he says that he didn't hate her like falling into him. And I think she even says like, this is where she thought that he looked like really good at the, at the sports festival. Uh, because everybody kept telling her like, if you think he looks hot, you should tell him that he looks hot. (laughs) And so like, they're kind of letting things come out better in the sense that he's like, you know, I, I, I kind of liked you having your hands on my chest and she's like i kind of liked you being shirtless it was pretty rad <laughs> um so they they talk more and you know she clarifies that like he didn't hurt her that you know they hurt each other it's okay that like people fight and that was important as well so that he didn't like further distance himself from her uh Man, then like the end of the episode was freaking rough as. Yeah. Um, there are small children outside my apartment screeching. It's terrible. (laughs) So time travel always is shenanigans, nonsense, and it's 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 hard to do narratively. But I feel like they did okay here. Um. Because everything's the same, and he he sees the phone, and he decides that he's going to do it. Um, hilarious that Hagita vandalizes the bike, <laughs> because he even mentions at one point, they're like, okay, so what do we need to do? And he's like, well, if he does it on the bike, then he just can't have the bike. <laughs> and they're like, Hagita, that's a dumb idea. <laughs> he's like, whatever, it's a great idea. I'm going to do it anyways. <laughs> And like later on in the episode, they ask, he's like, so why did you not take your bike? And he's like, oh, man, it looked like, you know, got wrecked. It wasn't really working. And everybody looks at how he said he does like his glasses glaze over again. It's so funny. Um, but yeah, he 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 did the same thing. He walked in front of the truck, but then he decided that he couldn't do it. And he decided that he understood that they would be upset if he committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And so at this point, he's thinking beyond just like his own grief. And he's thinking like, how would other people feel? Right. And um, that's important as somebody who, um, you know, struggles with depression and has struggled with like suicidal thoughts and that kind of thing. You have to always think like, what would other people think about this? Right. Because um, that's what's going to keep you alive, period. Uh, it's not going to be like some magical thing. And this isn't one of those situations um, because you and I have talked about this before. I hate stories where it's like being in love cures depression and cures any mental illnesses. And blah, 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 blah. Right. No. And this isn't that. This is not that. 
Um, because it's not Naho and being in love with her that saves him. It's everyone. It's everybody. And it's him realizing that he actually has something to contribute to his friends. Mm-hmm. And he has something to, like everybody actually cares about him. So it's it's more of a understanding of self-worth um, rather than just like, oh, wow, I'm in love with this person. Now I'm saved magically. Woo. And um, in fact, one of the things that I think is so strong about the scene is that it's not Naho at all that's doing most of the talking. It's Sua. Mm-hmm. He's the one who's saying, you know, we would have felt like crap if this happened. He's the one who's explaining the time travel and their regrets. He's the one who's saying, you know, we don't want you to die. It Naho doesn't say any of that. It's all Sua. And that's so important because, like, otherwise it's just going to come across as, like, one of those, like, cheap love rescues all things right and it's not that and i loved that i i think that that was really really important here um and uh you know i think the fact that they all were able to give letters to him in the future to show like how much he meant to them even after he was gone like that's important because one thing you have to think about is that this boy tried to commit suicide, didn't go through it, and that all of his friends are like, yeah, by the way, um, here are these letters from our future selves talking about you. And he's like, <laughs> what? Oh, what? Um, and I'm sure there's like some kind of talk that they need to have about the fact that like these letters have been driving a lot of their decisions because in my opinion, like one of my first thoughts would be like, did you actually want to do these things or were you right, just yeah. them because of the letters? Like, they need to have a talk about this. Which, period. I mean, I, I, like, for sure, like, they would be like, yeah, we wanted to do this, like, even though the letters kind of dictated us getting to this point. It's like, you know, if if we if we didn't want to do what the letters did, we wouldn't have done what the letters did. Or, like, it right. suggested that we do. Um. So I feel like that's a conversation that they need to have and most likely based on the film they do have. Right. Um because otherwise he's going to just think like you're only doing this because of these letters. And that's just because like, that's how depression makes your mind work. Like you think the worst possible scenario every time. Right. Like he would want he'd basically think like, Oh, you're doing this just to make yourself feel better. Not because you actually want to help me. Not because you care. Right. right yeah. Um, so that's, that's something that I believe has to happen. And I, like I said, I think does happen. Mm-hmm. And, um, you get the letters and um, given to him of like the future selves, and then you get the the time capsule scene, and I felt like it was a really good way to to end it because like one of the last shots is actually like future um, Sua and uh, Naho with their kid like at the sunset, and so like you understand that in that timeline, that's still the situation. Um, and I, I was so upset at this point because I was like, ah, we haven't seen like him in the future. But <laughs> it's because the film does that. Yeah. <sighs> Which the film isn't really like a big sequel or anything. It's just like, nah. here's everything from Sue's point of view. And you're going to get like a bunch of shots from the anime and all that sort of stuff. And then there's a, a little bit more like added on at the end. Yeah, it's it's basically the exact same story, just like with a little bit more input from Sua and then like an epilogue. Right. Um, and the epilogue is great. 
because I finally got what I wanted, which is <laughs> to see him as an adult. Ow, I just hit myself. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> I got real excited. Um, and so in this one, uh, Naho and uh, Kakaru are married, and they have a kid. Um, although the one thing that freaked me out and it was a little unnecessary was Suwa saying that, like, he, if she were an adult or whatever, he would marry their daughter. I'm like, ooh, don't don't say that. Or if if their son was a girl, that he would marry her. I think is what he says. Don't and do I'm that. like, yeah, you're like 26 or 27 <laughs> years old, buddy, and like that is your best friend's one year old kid. Like chill. Um, yeah, like maybe calm down a bit. That's unnecessary. And a little gross. And by a little gross, I mean a lot of gross. Um, But I mean, I guess like that's some of his best friends and like their kid. And it's a cute kid. It's basically like the exact same kid, but with black hair as opposed to uh, red hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they're all at the same place with the, the sunset. And um, they're having a picnic at one point. And this is where you find out that... Uh, Hagita is dating uh, Azua, Azusa. I can't say her name. Azusa. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, it's hilarious how they, they actually frame that is that um, they're doing like a like a toast. Mm-hmm. And uh, she says like to Hagita's new girlfriend and everybody's like, Azusa, Azusa, Azusa. <laughs> As like every, they go to everybody's face and they each say it, and then like it shows Hagita again, and his glasses are again like <laughs> glared over so that he can't answer. And um, there's this entire like bickering scene that's so funny that uh, he's like, "Well, we're not getting married or anything." She's like, "What? You don't want to marry me? I'd marry you." And he's like, "Okay, fine. We'll get married then." <laughs> And it's like this this cute bickering scene and um everybody's so happy and I love it. And uh at the end it shows them all like watching the sunset and um it's it's orange colored and he's like, you know, I always wanted to see the sunset and because um, they had apparently promised at some point that they were gonna go up there and look at it and in the original timeline he never did, so that's why uh that's why they did as adults. And so in this one, he actually says, like, I always wanted to do this. And so you get, you get them all, like, happy and everything's great. Uh, I, I still feel bad for Suba because, like, he didn't really get a happy ending here. But he he actually says in, um, I can't remember if it's in the movie. I think it is because he's confronted by the two friends, um, Ezra and uh, what's the other one's name? Takako. Yes. Um, they're like, are you okay with this? Like, are you okay with losing her? And he's like, you know, me in this timeline, with the, the letters are coming from, he's living the life, man. He's living the dream. He's, he's <laughs> got the perfect woman. He's got, like, a great job, and he's got a kid. And, you know, he, he's great. And he's like, but I also have to make sure that Kakaru gets his perfect end, too. And so, you know, he's he feels better in the sense that he knows that in some kind of parallel universe that he's getting his happy ending. Right. Um, which is really self-sacrificing, man. <laughs> um, and beautiful. It really is. And um, they go into it a lot more about the, uh, 
the Bermuda Triangle and how they set up the letters. Because what they do is they all write the letters, they put them in a Ziploc bag with postage and everything and instructions to deliver them to these addresses on these dates. Mm-hmm. And then they put them in a jar and then like send them out into the ocean. And eventually they do make it through the Bermuda Triangle and then somebody picks them up over the beach. So um, we realize that that's how they did it. I mean, like, they mention it briefly in the, the series, but they actually show them doing it here. Right. So, um, that's really the, the big things that are different in the in the film than the actual series. Well, there you go. Uh, there's also a live action film, but we've not watched it, so we can't really say anything about it. Mm. Other than there's uh, a live action film. There's a live action film. That's all we know. We don't know if it's good. We don't know if it's bad. We just know it exists. I guess the interesting thing about it is that like it was done before the anime. Oh, huh. So it's based off the manga. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I'd probably give it a shot at some point. I was um. A little surprised by the real life one, so maybe I'll be surprised by this one. Yeah. But then again, like the Death Note anime, uh, not not the Death Note anime, the Death Note live action for Japan also exists. So, <laughs> you know, sometimes it. I mean, doesn't... he the the main character who uh, does uh, Kakiru was in the the live action Death Note. <laughs> was he really? As L. Oh my god. Also, this dude has been in some other things that you would know. Uh, he, really. He was in the. The live-action version of JoJo Diamond is Unbreakable as Josuke. And oh, wow. also was uh, Hotro in the live-action Hyoka. Oh, wow. So this is just what he does now, huh? He does the anime live-action. Yeah, live-action anime. <laughs> I think I've seen him um, because I follow um, the voice actor who did... Um, Why am I blanking on the name? Your name. Guy. I don't know the voice actor name. No, but the main character. Uh, <laughs> See, you're blanking too. Yep. I want to say Taki, but that's not right, is it? Taki? Yeah, that's not right. No. No. Nah. Anyways. Um, The voice act. Yeah, it is Taki. Aha, I was right. Um, so, uh, his voice actor, his Japanese voice actor, uh, I saw on the special features that he was like hot. And so I, I follow him a lot now and, uh, he's in the, uh, live action of Diamond is Unbreakable as one of Josuke's friends. So I've seen a lot of that. There you go. Because of my thirst. (laughs) God. (laughs) <laughs> I can't help it. Sometimes you just gotta appreciate pretty boys. Gotta drink some water. I mean, I've almost drank an entire bottle of water, so like <laughs> and that's just not because of all the thirst, but because I'm actually trying to stay hydrated. There you go. Kids stay hydrated. Mm-hmm. It's important. <sighs> um 
So I really wanted to talk about this, and I actually sent you a message today that was like, please let us talk about this. Um, and I was because like, no. <laughs> that is not what happened. <laughs> um, one reason is, like I mentioned, it, it does a really good portrayal of like a depressed character. Mm-hmm. It really does. And um, it doesn't like make light of any kind of suicidal things, like any tendencies, any thoughts. It doesn't do that. And I think that that's great. And it also is, um, it's a great anime in the sense that like this is a group of friends who are coming together to save their friend as opposed to, like I said, a like manic pixie dream girl situation. Right. And that was important to me that, um, like once I realized that's what was gonna happen in here, I was like, "All right, fully on board. Let's go. Got this." Um, so it did a lot of important things to me, as well as just being like shoujo as heck. It was awesome, but it was like a. I don't want to say like it was very deep shoujo. It wasn't done in the sense that you're gonna have like sparklies and that kind of thing. It, it's done in the sense of like the love is here, but it's kind of secondary. Right. And I, I really like that. And I mentioned earlier that I really like the art. Um, I know that the art has issues and like the sense that it drops off, but the style of it's really pretty. Like I liked it the way that the characters are actually drawn when they're drawn. Well, <laughs> Because uh, as you mentioned on your uh, main line, the art does get real bad. At it, yeah, which yeah. is unfortunate. It is. Because um, like I said, it's it's got a great style and it's a great story. But yeah, it, it, it definitely does have issues in art quality dropping off at points. Especially around the middle, like you said. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's definitely something you should watch. If you uh, mm-hmm. if you want to check it out, also, the manga is like real easy to get as well because it's like, I think two volumes. Yeah, and I even looked on uh, Amazon, even though Amazon's evil. Um, they have like the the omnibus versions of it that are, like, the first one's eleven ninety eight, the second one is thirteen fifty seven, and then the future one is nine twenty. Yeah, so it's like that's all you need to get the entire thing. Yep, which when I get a job, I'm going to get those and get them. Which also just like for manga in general, is like usually that's not the case, but. Yeah, no, I mean, like that's actually extremely reasonable in terms of price and like also just reading that amount of stuff. Like it's not very long and you get like a complete story. Yeah, exactly. Neato. Neato. Well, there you go. That's orange for I you. Didn't, I didn't cry. I didn't cry. I got close. I, Good job. I, I guarantee when you record this, you'll know I, when I got close. I heard your voice break at one point. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I got real, real yeah. close to it. Yeah. Um, I think I can at least count three times that I got close to it, but I made it through. I didn't cry. You did it. Be proud. I'm very proud of you. Yay. Well... With all that being said and done, if you'd like more from us, go to SeasonalAnimeCheckup.com or SAC.cool where you can find past episodes of this podcast and other podcasts like Seasonal Checkup and Jared and Out Watch. 
And you can find columns and reviews on the, the site as well. If you want more from Anladium, go to Anladium.com where she has columns and reviews on her site. You can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash anime checkup, where we do Twitter, and you can support our podcast on Patreon, patreon.com slash SACOVA. If you'd like to give us a buck and be supportive of this fancy, fancy podcast. Whee! Uh, next week, we might have something for you. Yep. I mean, we're going to have something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not might, but yeah, we will have something, but... uh. We might have to talk about something real dumb. Oh, yeah. Um, also, just as a PSA, that's not anything to do with next week, but uh, talk to your friends. It's a good thing. Yeah. Um, talk to somebody if you need it. Yeah. Because, like, again, we've talked about suicide a lot in this episode, and, like, if you have that kind of thought, there are people out there that can help you. Mm-hmm. Reach out to them. Yeah. Definitely. Just uh, saying. Like, talk to experts about that stuff. Definitely. Yeah. But, yeah. That'll do for us. Uh, We'll see you next week. Alrighty.